Amber. Hi, Megan. Hi, Michael. Hey, guys. Hi, Dan. Hi, folks. Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. It's like a, it's like Hollywood Squares with us when we introduce guests. We don't just do like a normal intro and be like, oh, and also joining us. It's like, no, we're just going to call them out at the beginning. We leave no mystery. We're not going to make them sit there in silence. Mm-mm. We're just going to front load with them because we just give away the ending. They were yeah. dead the whole time. We're talking to corpses. That's a spoiler alert for Six Sense, Amber. Bruce. It wasn't until you said it. <laughs> I died? <laughs> You've came, we've all you've come a long way since the last time I was on because at that time you demanded that me and TJ be silent for the first ten minutes, um, and I don't think that worked out so well for you guys. So they actually demanded it this time, but you're not listening. You're breaking that order. <laughs> we don't we don't do that anymore because you and TJ could not sit still for literally a minute. So accurate. Introduce the guests right off the bat. Um, Michael, I'm glad we have you here because this is another kind of crossover from um, uh, yeah. what you're talking about, Willis. We, you, well, to clarify, um, we got bad news about what you're talking about, Willis, oh, and no. that is uh, we've gone bankrupt, oh, and so no. we're selling off all the rights to talk about Bruce Willis movies. Um, uh, we came to a mutual agreement between us and BMR, and you guys got the rights to our movie tonight which is mm-hmm. die hard with a vengeance yep um in exchange i got a half-eaten cheese sandwich which sucks on a lot of levels because in addition to it being half-eaten i'm also a vegan so mm-hmm. there's really yep. no but it's it's really the most i could get out of it and mm-hmm. well a deal's a deal and here i am yeah excellent <laughs> yeah i'm gonna want that sandwich bag you vegan <laughs> Stop giving away my shit megan god i know <laughs> All right, so that that sandwich is going from the East Coast to this Texas, and then mm-hmm. Texas back to the uh, East Coast, New England. Perfect. Yeah, with a lot of humidity and mayonnaise and, and a little cheese. bit of COVID. Maybe maybe you should just not open that one. I like my cheddar aged. <laughs> Male aged cheddar. Mm, yeah, get that handled by multiple people taste. Ooh. Um. Yeah, so we watched Die Hard 3, which is Die Hard with a Vengeance. What you're talking about, Willis did 1 and 2, so we didn't have to do 1 and 2. Lies, um, all lies. We're talking about fiction. We're talking about a fantasy world in which a podcast that doesn't exist exists. Moving on. So on what you're talking about, Willis, yes. we really dived deep into the characters mm-hmm. and the plot of these movies. We talked about the Die Hard formula a lot. We can rehash right. some of that as needed, but... Um, I really just want to sink in our teeth into this very excellent sequel to the beloved original. Um, you know, maybe maybe not as many people have seen with a vengeance um, as as did the the first movie. So yeah. it's worth a it's worth a shot. So yeah, you you, you do feel it's beloved because it's it's my understanding that we have the two of you here today because there's some divisiveness on where this movie sits in vis a vis the mm-hmm. canon and its sweet sweet goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that we are divided on that we like the movie and that we love the movie. Um, however, I would contend that it is definitely a bad movie. <laughs> um, Dan has uh, an uh, yeah. objection to that. I would, I would contend that Michael is definitely a bad person for thinking that. Yes. <laughs> so that, that's that's where we disagree. <laughs> okay, perfect. Go right. right for the personal attacks. Excellent. Right for the jugular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, you had stated a desire to try to tackle a uh, summary for this movie. Oh, I would absolutely love to. Should I go ahead? Yeah, do it. All right. Scene one. Um, 
<laughs> so we open. <laughs> we open on New York City, um, and uh, Hot Town Summer in the City is playing. And you, uh, yeah, just pan to different shots, cut different shots, and then boom, there's a big bomb. Uh, I remember the people we were watching with, I think Allie's jaw actually dropped, because I think she hadn't seen the movie at, yet, maybe. Uh, anyway, it opens with a bang, and uh, very quickly it establishes, okay, so there's some kind of terrorist activity. Um, then they go, basically we find uh, John McClane uh, called back into action at the local precinct. Um, there is somebody out there who has set this bomb and, um, it becomes clear that he, uh, is, has a personal vendetta against John McClane. It's a, unclear at the beginning. Why? Um, so the movie sets off this, it's a, it's a mystery of, um, why this person has that for John. Um, but then the movie, uh, pivots as John, of course, being the brilliant, uh, tactician that he is, realizes that this is not just about a vendetta against him. This is about... A hundred and thirty-four billion dollar heist, um, uh, and uh, and so there's parallels of what the villains, the villainous people, are doing to try to uh, send John and then the Good Samaritan on a uh, on a some kind of a goose chase, and then also trying to pull off this amazing heist, uh, yada yada yada, and then um, uh, John is shot fifty feet in the air out of a water tube. Um, oh, yep. before falling 90 feet through the air onto a steel platform. Mm -hmm. yep, and yep, yep. Uh, yeah, he's got a little bit of an injury on his shoulder, but otherwise he's good to go. And uh, the good guys win once again. Wow. Wow, that, that pretty was much sums it up. Perfect in every way. <laughs> <laughs> Can't think of a single thing I would add. Nope. I, uh, oh, I, I have... Like I feel like I watched a different movie. See, what I remember is a long-suffering Samuel L. Jackson having to deal with a dumb white cop and some mm -hmm. crazy shit that mm -hmm. white people were doing in New York City. So there's a lot of layers to the movie, and that's <laughs> and that's one of them. Um, yeah, I, I went for brevity, but I can't wait to dig into Samuel Jackson is my favorite part of this and most movies, including some that he's not even in. And um, yeah. I really, really look forward to It's really good acting. It's the yeah. Samuel Jackson beneath the text of the film that I'm yeah. really responding to. Yeah. Awesome description, Dan. Thank you very yeah. much. Sure. Yeah, I just, I just loved um, Samuel L. Jackson and Citizen Kane. It was so good. So yeah. good. The best part about it. Again. Twelve Angry Men, all about Samuel L. Jackson. Twelve Angry Samuel Jackson. Exactly. I want to watch that movie. And he and The Rock, of course, were the stars of the other guys. So it was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. I remember that joke in, in that podcast. I'm sorry, he's, joke? He's got what's, the Midas. What's happening? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, Jackson has the Midas movie touch. Like anything anything he's in is just made golden by his presence. So. Yeah. Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, Hitman's Bodyguard. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've done some great movies here on BMR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... I will add that Jeremy Irons plays uh, the the big bad in this one, yeah, and Uncle he, Scar comes back with yeah. a vengeance. Mm -hmm. it's, it's good, and he's the second best thing in this movie. Every mm -hmm. single line he says, he's not in it very much, but any line he says is pretty much memorable as hell. Agreed. I have them all written down, and I can't wait to do. A lot of my friends recognize me as one of the best um, at doing impersonations. Yes, um, mm -hmm. and so I can't wait to give you some line readings there. Perfect. Amber, what did the critics have to say about this movie? Metacritic critics had it at 58 and the audience had it at 87. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes was pretty similar. It was 57 for the critics and 83 for the audience. How does this make you yeah. feel? 
Um, I think the audience has it a lot better. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel I feel like the critic in me rates it at about a fifty three, and the audience in me rates it at about an eighty. <laughs> so they nailed you know it. I mean? Like <laughs> I feel like it's pretty accurate, actually. Right? Like if I sit down and try to like suss some things out, there's there's some problematic things about the movie, um, but it's so fun. It, it is like a really fun movie to watch, and and that's why I I do love watching and, and rewatching it. I thought it held up better than I thought it would in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it didn't. So again, we'll, we'll get into that. So I can't it's... wait to dig into that. Yeah, I remember it as being a lot better than you remember it as being at, but in rewatching it, it was nice to confirm that it's better than you still think it is. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Mm, yep. <laughs> I, we should get, we, let, let's get, I mean, we can continue making meta jokes <laughs> about this debate. Let's, uh, let, 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 let's, let's get to it. Lead the way. Let's go. Well, I feel like I'm, I feel like I have to like, I don't want to be like the banner carrier of this is not a great movie. Um, I feel like you're putting me in that position because I, I think it's... Oh, it's so much again, you're so much more easily assailed if you're in that position. I'm this is very true. intentionally <laughs> putting you in that position. <laughs> yep. I feel like you're Simon in this situation and I'm John McClane. Hmm. Um, no. <laughs> well, should we, um, we... Amber, do you have anything from the critics that you want to highlight? The only thing that I learned from reading critics, they don't think it's imaginative, it's going for thrills instead of substance, it's not very creative. The thing that I learned was that this the original script wasn't a diehard movie. Yes, right? Oh, that's right? interesting. Yeah. Huh. It, it was a, um, now I've forgotten. What's important is, I never bothered to learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. So, so they... The script landed in somebody's desk and they said, eh, let's put Bruce Wilson in and slap Die Hard on the cover. And, yeah. But it's such a Die Hard movie. I mean, it's, it's um, you've got your supervillain who is three steps ahead of the normal law enforcement. They, they take over a place. They have, uh, the only person who can figure out the true intentions is John McClane and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. explosions and, you know, his body goes through hell <laughs> before he gets to the end. It's, it's, it's a Die Hard movie. It's, it's hard to imagine it as anything else. Uh, yeah, it's also got the class. It's it's a Christmas movie, just like Die Hard is. It there's, is a Christmas. Yes, multiple references to Christmas. <laughs> don't, don't let it taking it taking place in the summer fool you. No, no. <laughs> the, the one the one thing that I think that I would push back you on on that is that you did say that it's they take over a certain place, and I feel like Die Hard mm-hmm. one very much like it's in a it's in a tower, and mm-hmm. two it's in, it's at an airport. Um, mm. And and here it's I don't, I don't think they necessarily take over Manhattan you know I mean like sort of figuratively yeah, they fair. shut it down um, and that actually I think is important because I think that it's it's good to not just keep on being like oh it's Die Hard but on a cruise ship it's Die Hard but you know mm. in space and I, I actually think that it's important that they didn't just lock down one area um, but yeah it is it's a Die Hard movie but not based on a Die Hard script. Um- so before we get into kind of the, the meat of the movie and the meat of um, Dan and Michael just really just arguing the entire rest of the podcast, <laughs> I do want to hit on the fact that this is a 1995 movie and there is a lot of really interesting and sometimes probably problematic um, talk about race, but then also some really like Samuel Jackson um, says white people a whole bunch and like in a really like 2020 kind of way of using um, hmm. um, white people and talking about how um, it, it, yeah, it, it's, 
it's really interesting for a 1995 movie to talk so kind of um, blatantly about race like this and in an action movie. Yeah, and that's that's where I, I have this kind of love-hate with it because if, if it's going to put racism and, and race relations so central to the plot of the movie, it's... Uh, it, it's it's not trying to make a commentary on it, I don't think, or or if it is, it's kind of um, kind of ham-fisted in a way, uh, and and uh, too many times for me, it's it's like racism as a punchline more than mm-hmm. like sure. um, as an issue or like, and and that's kind of the thing that um, bothers me about it now. You know, I was looking at a. Um, a graphic today was on CNN and it was talking about how like talking about racism, we should talk about it like an iceberg and like on the tip of the iceberg that is very easy to see are like, you know, neo-Nazis and the KKK and um, white supremacy and things like that. But underneath the iceberg, the thing that sustains it are things like, you know, saying that I don't see color or, mm-hmm. um, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or, uh, you know, making racist jokes, things like that, like right. are, so woven into like the fabric of our society and of how we grew up in the eighties and nineties that it's it's just, it's hard to watch it be like a, sometimes a throwaway punchline or, or like a subtle joke. It, it just didn't, it didn't feel right. Yeah. And, and in some ways though, um, having just watched Con Air, this was a significant improvement from Con Air. Mm. Very you much know, so. The fact that, um, you know, Samuel Jackson outright says, like, I, there's a part where he saves Bruce Willis. Um, and he said, I didn't save you for you. I saved you because if one white cop gets attacked in my neighborhood, I'm going to have a thousand white cops on in my neighborhood, on my street. With itchy it's, trigger fingers. With itchy trigger yes, fingers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very specifically, yeah. It's yep. the, the entire intro with Samuel Jackson is very upfront in your face like he's he's talking to his nephews about making mm-hmm. better decisions and but then he makes them repeat after him essentially like who do we depend on ourselves that's right because no one else is going to help us and who don't we depend on white people that's right kids we mm-hmm. don't and then mm-hmm. yeah bruce willis shows up mostly naked with a sign that says i hate n-words and samuel jackson saves him again for the sake of harlem not for the sake of bruce willis and he might even that might even be the part where he immediately lies to him about where the original bomb was found. Yeah, I think I think, I think that might be in the same it's sequence. Yeah, exactly what fucking happens, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, which is so to manipulate Samuel L. Jackson into coming along um, on this this crazy journey that they go on. Um, mm-hmm. He tells him that the bomb was left in a I think a park in in Harlem. Yep. Um, Harlem also. I don't want to dwell too much on this, but. Harlem is often used as just a like a, a an epithet for like place where dangerous black people are. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean, like it's always said in that kind of context. And you know, Dan and I both you know worked in Harlem or on the west side of it, and um, so that it it just it just really rubbed me the wrong sure. way watching that again. And of course, and I know how like white people talk when black people aren't around, and you like Harlem is that that shorthand for for a lot of people um mm-hmm. if you tell people that you used to work in harlem they're like oh that must have been really tough it's like teaching anywhere is tough <laughs> you yeah know, like it's teaching <laughs> um and i loved working in harlem it was it was great that's how dan and i met actually so yeah yeah anyway one yep. one thing i might i might add to that and I, I really wanted to listen to what you all had to say about that because I, I really do think that 
this movie does engage with the concept of racism more than other movies in 1995. I actually pulled up a list of the top 10 highest grossing films of 1995. Um, There's only two other movies that even feature people of color in them. Um, And one is Pocahontas by Disney, which I think is its own so it's its own thing, and then another is uh, seven. Um, I didn't know the Die Hard with a Vengeance uh, number one grossing film yeah. of that year. Wouldn't have wouldn't have thought that because I feel like it. Guess. Yeah, I would have thought that it would. I think it's yeah. I don't think it's considered like a blockbuster success. Um, but yeah, I mean we've got Waterworld, Jumanji, um, Batman Forever, GoldenEye, um, Apollo thirteen, Toy Story rounding up the list. Um, I just feel like yeah. I mean. I don't know. I, I don't see a lot of films at that time where so there's a line where Samuel Jackson's in a taxi and he stops for a moment and a, and a white guy, like a Wall Street type, gets in the car and says, you know, take me wherever. And um, uh, then Samuel Jackson's like in the middle of trying to like prevent a bombing in the city and is trying to be like, get out of the car. I'm not like, no, I'm not. Yeah. And the the white guy has a beat like, what? You don't like white people? And it's so clear to me that like the movie is presenting this white person as just horrible. Like he's just he's he's a he's a Wall Street elite guy with a ton of money who's just expecting this black person to do what he wants him to do. And it's and I do think that the the the, the white man in that mo- in that scene was was supposed to be just wrong and and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, he's shark bait very clearly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like and I I feel like again I'm not saying that Die Hard is go- is engaging at any kind of deep level, but I do feel like. I liked seeing that scene, just being calling out a white guy for being obnoxious. And I think there are a couple other moments like that. Um, but you're also right, Michael, when you said that, like, you know, <laughs> there's a difference between engaging with racism in any real way and just, like, using it as a punchline. Um, uh, and, and I also don't want to say that, oh, because this movie's better than other movies in 1995, therefore it makes it a good movie because we, we should know by now that we can't, like, just excusing people for the being a product of their times isn't a high is not a high enough bar to set um mm-hmm. so yeah no it's a fair point like um and i'm not trying to undermine your thought but it, it, i i had that thought about how you guys discussed about sausage party how like it's this is not die hard 3 but it's like it's it's fine if everybody's getting their own at some point you know mm-hmm. and um I think that this movie does a better job of it than than that kind of ethos where you're talking about like, oh, well, if, you know, we made fun of white people. We made fun of Germans. <laughs> you know, everyone who has a German accent is basically a Nazi in Die Hard 3. Um, but uh, it it's still, yeah, I don't know. It's still uh, leaves kind of a bad taste in the mouth sure. at some points. So. There, there's a scene where Samuel Jackson has to, um, Zeus has to pick up a phone. And there's a white police officer who's drawn a gun on him. For the, he's all he's done. I think he did jump a like a turnstile to get in the yep. subway, right? Correct. Um, yep. That's oh, it. and he yelled at a white man because he needed to use that phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and how uncomfortable, you know, now maybe more than ever, is it to watch this scene with like a shaky white police officer with his gun drawn on a black man just trying to use a phone, right? Like that. I, I was very curious on rewatching that scene. Like I knew that scene was coming, and I was like, "What am I? How am I going to feel?" And I feel awful because of all the connections that that exist to the world as it is. But I actually don't think the scene is shot in a way that's problematic. I think the scene is showing that that's a problem. But mm-hmm. I actually agree with the way that it was shot because it's exactly. I, actually, you know, I'm with you 100, percent Dan. Yeah. That that's um, one of the scenes where I felt like they they nailed it. Right, like that's something that. Um, 
people of color have been complaining about for forever, right? And we haven't, as a society, done a good enough job listening to those um, complaints and to those stories. And there it is on in 1995 in, in this yeah. scene, right? Like that scene really kind of encapsulated that really well. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was a powerful moment. And, and Samuel Jackson is like speaking very slow and calmly to the police officer saying, I have to answer that phone. It's very important. And he moves very slowly to the phone. You know, like it's it. It's a scene that we needed to see. Yeah, you know, I think. Also, j- just because it's on topic here, there's also a moment where there's a there's a bomb that doesn't go off because there's no bomb, and both uh, John McClane and Zeus dive to the ground. Um, so there's a bomb. Get down. Get down. Um, and then like nothing happens, and then there's a beat, and then someone walks by and sees both of them on the ground, and got a white guy and a black guy on the ground. They're both actually dressed in you know I don't know normal attire. And he and he gives a dollar to Samuel Jack. He gives a dollar to Zeus. Actually, because he assumes only yeah, one of them is dressed in normal attire. Samuel That's, Jackson is, is in slacks and a button down. Bruce Willis was picked up after having been on a drunken bender, then yes. stripped mm-hmm. to put on the sandwich board, and now yep. he's just wearing dirty whatever clothes. He looks like, like a, a sweaty fucking wife vagrant. Eater. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the guy gives the money to Samuel Jackson. Right, Zeus, and I think yeah. that's another another moment where it's like we we are not designed like that's not actually I guess it's sort of like a joke because Sam Jackson acts the hell out of it and it's like what, um, mm-hmm. but it's also like I I actually think that's calling out the person right um, oh, who's giving 100%. the money who makes that yeah. racist like I think that's how it's presented right yeah oh um, no 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 yeah that's good that's something a little a little beat and then the movie moves on. Yep, I totally agree with your reads on all of those situations. Like that those are those were very intentional scenes of like racism being perpetrated on Samuel L. Jackson because he's a black man. And like and and it's those those are great moments because they are intended to give you that that visceral feeling of oh, no. No, I don't agree with that sentiment there. I don't want to be aligned with that. And so yeah, mm. it's it is it is better than all of the movies that were that were being put on at that time, obviously better than Con Air, and, and totally agree with all of that. Yeah. The only thing I would say is that, yes, there's there's a no no moment in which John McClane is inculcated as a right. white male product of the same racism system. Not that they would. He's the hero of the movie, and that's that's fine. And obviously, you know, they're not going to do that. And and it's it doesn't take away from the value of having those scenes exist in the top grossing movie of that year. Um but yeah, it's just it's the one thing I'd I'd say that it, that really the really the biggest pitfall of the movie is yeah. that, and that's not even right. You still have great moments. I would like to pause it also, and I can do this now that I'm divested from what you're talking about, Willis, and we've sold off all mm-hmm. of our subsidiaries. Um, I would actually posit that um, Zeus, played by Samuel L. Jackson, is the bigger hero in this movie. I know it's a Bruce Willis movie; it's, it's Die Hard, but when you talk about um, which character develops the most, when you talk about which character has the highest stakes throughout the movie. Mm. It's 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 Zeus. Yeah. And yeah. who who makes the biggest sacrifices apropos of his own nobility? It's 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 yep. Zeus. Whose yep. skills are the most important and integral throughout? <laughs> yep. Who yeah. solves the complex like Bruce Willis is clearly the dope in the situation. Like yep. he he can't figure out the mm-hmm. riddles. He and and even kind of the the semi he might be being racist about this moments of like do you know how to hotwire a car? Yeah, I know how to hotwire a car. I'm an electrician. <laughs> And like, yep. mm-hmm. do you know how to pick these cuffs? Why? Well, you're an electrician. I just didn't know if you were a locksmith. I am, but still. Like, it's that <laughs> he has, you know, all of these abilities that can edge into like, well, of course, he's a criminal. And really, he's just, you know, 
a multi-talented business professional who has extreme knowledge of whatever you need to know. He's perfect. Mm-hmm. He, Bruce Willis got really goddamn lucky. Yeah. 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 But, but Samuel, Zeus is the one who keeps going in back in time and time again when he's not the trained cop. You know, yeah. he's not, um, he was having a normal day <laughs> at, his, at his shop. Uh, and next thing he knows, he's running around the city um, and jumping onto boats <laughs> and doing all kinds right. of crazy things. Um, he, he buys into to this mission that they're on um, and has plenty of opportunities to leave. Like he, there's many times where we were watching the movie and I was like, there's no reason for him to still, be, still there. be there. He still be there. Again, again, off. Michael, I got to push back on you on that because you said he jumped onto a boat and he did not. He fell he 90 feet onto <laughs> a steel flatbed. Important to mention. So disagree. Yeah. But, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, and Amber, <clears throat> I want to highlight what you said because I, I do think that there's like two moments in the movie where John McClane and Zeus engage in an actual discussion about racism. And in both those direct conversations, John essentially accuses... Zeus of being a racist, and I think the movie is sh- shoots those with a generous eye toward John McClane. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he's right to push back against some assumptions that Zeus is making, and yeah, I th- that I did feel icky about that. And I, I want to also just g- zoom out a little bit because I I feel like one of my favorite parts of of listening to Bad Movies Rock is when you guys break down the movies through lens that I wish I always had. Um, like in Con Air, right? When when you guys both spoke about how, yeah, there's this, oh, yeah, Con Air is great. It was a really good movie. And then you watch it like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, like, you know, shame on me. And I told I told Meg about this. Like, shame on me for not seeing it for what it was back when I saw it in the first place. I'm not unique in that, but still, shame on me. Um, and two other things that just jumped out at me in this movie, especially in the first half hour, there's two... There's two references to like cross-dressing or yes. or Simon mm-hmm. yep. just wanting to wanting to have sex with John. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely in a negative light. You mm-hmm. know, no question about that. Also, in that same scene where they're trying to get on the phone and there's a woman on the phone, in less than 25 seconds, this woman is called fat, like as the mm-hmm. only defining feature of who she is. Yep. Um, both by Simon and by I don't I don't one one of the other two. Uh. Um, but in, in any case, it's like the, the, listen. There, there are lots of moments where this movie uh, fails to be good. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it also does some great stuff. It and does. Like we talked about a little bit of that. It does do some great like stuff. Samuel Jackson is great. They do have moments that you don't see in other movies. Graham Greene is in this movie. Mm-hmm. We have a goddamn First Nations actor in one of the main parts. Super on board with that. And then the movie itself, people. The movie itself, Jeremy Irons, and explosions, and car chases, <laughs> and running, and riddles. It's beautiful. It is. Helicopters at the end. Oh, that's right. I forgot to take that into context. Helicopter versus helicopter. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Oh. I don't think you'd build... <laughs> and pistol wins. Yes. <laughs> Always. Yeah, it's, it's, I think the ranking is cars, pistols skip a lot helicopters and then submarines i think are always yeah. at the bottom <laughs> yep for sure um, yeah um one of the things i appreciated about this movie is that uh jeremy irons as simon like recognizes that he's dealing with an action movie hero and tries to take him off of the chessboard right like he tries to remove him from the equation it's revealed that um uh, hans gruber from the first movie was simon's brother 
And so there's this whole thought of like, oh, this is clearly, you know, we're after John McClane for for vengeance. I mean, the movie's called Die Hard with a Vengeance, obviously. So, you know, this is all a big revenge scheme, putting John and um, and Sam Jackson through um, all these silly riddles that they have to like schlep throughout the city and get to a phone really as fast as they can or a bomb's going to go off. And what I really loved about that is it didn't seem like Simon really gave a shit about his brother. Like it was all about the heist, right? It was all about the gold bars. And it's it was more of a means to an end. It was like the, there's one cop that I know of that can think outside the box and who gets to the bottom of things, and it's John McClane. So I have to um, I have to do this elaborate scheme. It does smack a little bit of that like um, Austin Powers observation where it's like, well, why doesn't if he has all these resources, why doesn't he just shoot him? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what, why doesn't he just go to his house when he's on the toilet and just shoot him? Yep. Um, so he wants to toy with him maniacally and, you know, he, there's a, there's a psychoanalyst early in the beginning at the police precinct who says like, this is guy's a megalomaniac and he's got all these, um, you know, he, he wants to put you through hell and then kill you. And that, that's pretty fun, right? Yeah. Like you want your villain to be so very horrible and, um, and Jeremy Irons does it. Yeah. He just does. Oh it. yeah. Really he does good. such a great job of torturing him. It, it. Mm-hmm. And he could have just shot him because the end of all the running around and riddles and like, go to this place and do this, go to this place and do this, go to this place and do this. The final go to this place is him just walking into a stadium <laughs> and then mm-hmm. getting shot with a sniper, like by a sniper. Like that yep. was, he yeah. was supposed to just show up there and get shot in the head. That was mm-hmm. supposed to be the end of it. <laughs> At Yankee Stadium, yep. that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> but so, after putting him through exactly. round after round after round exactly. after round. Exactly. I did like how the psychoanalyst was really giving the viewer, like us, it was mm-hmm. it was justifying to us why there's a reason to put him through all of that, yes. right? Yep. And I, I thought that was fine. I liked oh, that yeah. they cared to do that. Yeah. Um, I like Jeremy Irons, line reading number one, when Jeremy Irons is explaining why, what, Michael, to your point, like, why even bother, you know, like, to, to put John McClane through all that? Mm-hmm. And he just says, life has its little bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. great. Yeah, so, so, Kind of like the first one, um, this whole thing that Jeremy Irons is doing is he's pretending, I mean, he is being a terrorist, but he's also pretending that his goals are these lofty goals of like um, setting off bombs and making John McClane go on this, um, you know, scavenger hunt. And then he's secretly going to steal all these, all this gold from the Federal Reserve. But then on top of that, he's not going to, do anything with the gold except um, blow it up in the middle of the um, water and thereby like leveling the financial playing field of the world or something like that. But after all of this, just like Hans Gruber, he doesn't actually do that. He steals the gold and like replaces it with scrap metal and wants the money. So like there's kind of these layers of what he's trying to do. Like, He's using John as a distraction. He's using the bombings as a distraction. And all he wants is the money in the long run. Yeah, I love it. It's it's like, he's a crazy terrorist. Oh, it's just another heist. Oh, no, it's a crazy terrorist heist. And he was hired to do it. Oh, no, it, it is it is a heist. And, okay. <laughs> it's just a heist. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm in, movie. Thank you. Yep. And I think I think we've arrived at what I what I want to take advantage of as a launching point for my thesis of why this movie is is good or even possibly great. Beautiful. Um, oh. So I'm going to start by defending my thesis against you know the one person on the world who doesn't like this movie by saying that oh you know it's 
I, I, I want to make the argument, this is not a movie where everything in it is smart. Clearly not. Like, and we'll, we'll get down, especially I feel like the end of the movie is, ending of the movie is dumb. Um, it's not a movie where everything's <laughs> smart. Um, and it's, it's not a movie where nothing is dumb. But it is a movie for the for like a, a trequel for the third in movie. They could have rubber stamped some other diehard in space plot. Instead, they like found a plot like a, a script they liked. They were like, you know what? Let's tie this in. Let's make some money off it, of course, right? But like here, here's here's some of the things they do, right? So following the the villain line, right? Basically, the idea is they blow up one area um, to announce their presence, scare some people. Then they um, uh, blow up the like uh, the train under Wall Street, right? Um, and uh, but set that up almost as if that's like, oh, it just happened to be there. Then they announce that there's a bomb somewhere in some school. Um, so they do a great job of distracting all the police officers across the um, the city to so that they are busy, allowing them to then go into the buildings in Wall Street and get all the money. They also um, think to announce to the, the police officers that the bombs, they said something like, we, we got something of a bargain on these detonators, and the darn things seem to go off, uh, respond to police frequencies. Um, so they give the police this handicap where they can't, they, they, they cannot um, use their frequencies, right? Um, and so while the police are distracted and their communication lines are down, they're able to sneak in, get all the gold. They have the dump trucks come in um, to get the gold, they um, then sort of follow a secret pathway through the aqueducts um, to get out, um, and then they get the gold. Um, the dump truck split up. They they get the gold onto a boat, except it's not on a boat. Um, and um, they call they do the manifesto. They call the coast guard to say you know for too long capitalism has uh, ruled the west and the and the world, and um, uh, and then they retreat to north of the border where they have all their money, like. That, to me, that was actually very followable. And no, of course, like, I'm not saying that that would actually work. But like somebody thought thought through that plot line, came up with some reasons to defend it. Um, and in the meantime, these are very villainous people. They set up a bomb off in the, in the beginning of the movie. They also blew up a train, right? So these are not good people. But I was watching it through this lens and like nowhere in the movie do they kill anyone else. Except for at one point, Otto, a hired gun, shoots somebody instead of tranquilizing them which was what they were doing at the bank and even when he does that other villains call him out and be like Otto no shooting uh, which of course is for the noise but like um they, they, there's even a chance where uh, Jeremy Irons has a chance to say whether Zeus should be killed or not um and he says no like let the Samaritan go um it's just it's interesting to me that the villains like mm. instead of being wildly violent I'm not saying they're good but they have some sort of code right and I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so this movie, you know, presents that. And on top of that, there, there's no other action movie I can think of that has given me material for me to use in my math class. Like the logic puzzle of the three in the five-gallon jug, uh, mm -hmm. trying to create a situation where you have four gallons in the jug, um, where he's quoting poetry, as I met a man going to St. Ives, I met a man going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Um like that's that's neat. Like it's you know mm -hmm. it's it's neat yeah. to walk out of a movie and be like that film was was smart and interesting and I know some cool puzzles I'm going to bring to my math class. <laughs> it, it serves a couple of purposes because those are those are considered like childhood riddles, right? And so it's extra humiliating for John McClane to have to like do them, right? It's like why are you having me do these kids' riddles? It's 
another layer of humiliating that he doesn't know the answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, uh, just a quick story, because I had a math teacher do the St. Ives one. And so everyone in class was like doing their multiplication tables, right? For like, for the whole class yep. period, like seven times seven, seven cats, seven sacks, yep. you know, all that sort of thing. And so we're all turning out these numbers and she's like, this one. And we're all so angry with her. I just remember that. Yeah. So she <laughs> watched the movie. And took it. She, well, I, it, the, this came. That was before the movie came out. So no, this this movie this later. movie originated that riddle. Um, definitely. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that. Even yeah. even the the theme music to this movie. So Die Hard One was Ode to Joy. Beethoven's Fifth, I think, was like mm-hmm. the 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 through line of the movie. This movie, it's Johnny comes marching home again, right? Which like it's a fun song. It's neat. I, I like it. But um, it's a it's a song that was written in Civil War. I was doing my googling to be prepared for today's session, but um, like. John McClane, Johnny comes marching home again. Like he's back in New York. That, that's not any kind of genius connection, but like the people who wrote this movie put a little thought into it. And there's a lot of movies that they don't even do that. So this is true. I, I, I like it. You know, I've I've come to realize that the you need Samuel L. Jackson in this movie because what Bruce the only thing that Bruce Willis really knows how to do is murder people. Yeah. He is exceptionally mm-hmm. good at killing. And not dying. Mm-hmm. But what Jeremy Irons has tasked him with is thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yep. problem solving and it's puzzle problem. solving. And if you don't have Samuel L. Jackson, you have a dead Bruce Willis because it's not about shooting and killing. It's about, right. like, yeah, it's, it's problem solving. And if the problem isn't bad guy must murder it, then he's out of his depth. Yep. Yeah. He does. Oh, Go ahead, Michael. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to put... Um... Actually, John McClane is the third most important hero in this movie because there is Jerry, the most helpful oh, truck driver oh, in the yes. universe, Jerry. who comes in as second place to Samuel L. Jackson, I think. That's my hierarchy of agreed. heroes in this Absolutely movie. Absolutely agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's uh, a great... Yeah, yeah. When, you, when you said that in the chat as we were watching the movie, I was like, yeah, this guy knows knows, <laughs> knows every president, knows all the facts, knows every... And honestly, like, I think though John McClane laughs at him, I think he's also presenting a good, like he's good, good for him for knowing things, right? Like he's not mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, the target of the joke. He's actually he is a hero for knowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do like. I, I imagine that the directors of this film, uh, f- like, jumped ahead, gosh, twenty, thirty years in time, saw the Captain America scene in the elevator in Captain America: Civil War. And, no, Winter mm-hmm. Soldier. Um, soldier, yeah, and uh, like saw how cool Captain America was at immobilizing everybody with just a shield, even though he was going with his people a foot, two feet taller than him, and there's magnets involved to keep his hands in place. And they're like, "That's a great scene. What if we do all of that, but none of it? Set in the elevator and just have John shoot everyone's brains out." Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the final cut when he's like in this elevator with these cops, who he identifies. Because one of them is wearing the badge of his friend, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they didn't know the lottery numbers, and every cop plays the lottery, their badge numbers, I guess. It's, just, it's pre-established, at least. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So he knows that these are bad people, and he shoots them all. And the last shot is just um, him just sort of, like, shielding his own face from the blood that's going to come out from the guy's skull when he shoots him. Yep. Um, yeah, he's, Amber, as Amber said, he's very good at shooting people. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is, because before that scene... It is him out of his depth running around, being led around by the nose by Jeremy Irons' character and and only by the seat of his pants getting through these challenges because of Samuel L. Jackson. But as soon as he gets to the bank filled with bad guys, there's the Bruce Willis you remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's right. You're good at killing. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
And I want to dig into Jeremy Irons, but th there's there's one other scene that I also want to draw attention to, which is um, when it is discovered which building the bomb is in, which school the, the bomb is in, thanks to Jerry, the truck, truck driver, Chester A. Arthur, 21st president. Um, th there's, there's a cut to all of the kids have been moved to the auditorium where the teachers um, are trying to keep them occupied just to sort of not have them go absolutely wild because no one really knows what's going on, but they, they're not going to tell the kids there's a bomb in the building. Um, and just as a teacher, I could relate to that so much, not because I've ever been in a situation where there's a known bomb in the building, but certainly because like I've definitely, every teacher has been put in this position where you just, hey, handle these students, keep them entertained for an unknown amount of time, despite anything else going on around you. Um, and that, that as a teacher, means like, yeah, like there are a lot of teachers out there who are amazing at exactly that, keeping our kids calm in times of crisis when even they don't know it's a crisis. Um, and then when it pivots to like getting them out of the building as fast as they can, framing it as a fire drill, um, that hit hard. I think that actually was a really good depiction. I've seen movies about teaching that like the whole movie, the premise of the movie is here's a movie about what it's like to be a teacher where they don't get a single scene right as well as I think that scene was handled. Um, as a teacher um, and meanwhile in the school you've got the the commanding officer of the police who's trying to handle all the different inputs she's getting from all the different pressure points she's getting and at one point um he <laughs> john mclean has just told him there's gold and dump trucks and um uh <laughs> he tells him like four different things that are all true but make no sense to the the police officer um but he sort of trusts McLean enough to tell his staff to like investigate all of that. And when he's called out, he's called on it. He's like, McLean, it's <laughs> like, just like, it's McLean. I don't know what to do. So just, just <laughs> deal with it. Look at it. I don't know. Um, and I actually feel like looking at how people handle moments of crisis like that, where they're being given so much information, have to make decisions. I, I thought that he was portrayed in a positive light too, trying to make the best of all that he was handled, handed. Yeah, you bring up the school scene. It it's so good. It's uh, there's so many little heroes in this movie, which is kind of nice too. Because in the other Die Hard movies, it's like it's the John McClane show, right? But here you have uh, the teachers that you mentioned. You have um, the police officers that are there who are trying to teach the kids this fire drill, and and one of the 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 ladies actually like when they're on top of the roof, thinking that the building's about to explode, like pulls the kids in real close mm. to like shield them. Mm really touching like three seconds of film that is like soul crushing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you also have the guy who's trying to defuse the bomb. Yeah. who's like this kind of lovable nerdy mm -hmm. guy. Bomb expert guy. Um, that was so sweet when they're like, there's still kids in so the building. Yeah. I'm then gonna I'm going to stay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> to, to everyone to like the janitor, uh, like the janitor mm -hmm. was like, apparently just like standing by the commander. And as soon as they realized that they had to run back into the school for some kids that had stayed behind. Yeah. He throws him the keys so that he's like right there, ready yeah. to like Johnny on the spot. Part of this, like the subtext of this movie too, I was wanted you guys to make a comment on, um, is like New York, New Yorkers looking after each other. Like I was actually getting some feelings that I got from uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie where it's like New York is part of Spider-Man's team. Like everyone's like on the same team. Yep. Yep. Kind of thing going on. So I didn't know. Well, you guys got first I was going to order things. things where you got Samuel L. Jackson as the main hero, then Jerry, yeah. <laughs> then probably the, I don't know, maybe the bomb squad officer, and mm. then the mm. janitor, and then probably yep. John McClane. I'm, yep. I'm yeah. bumping him down to he five. He's getting pushed down the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, John McClane 
you know, alone killed 50 to 70 people in Central Park as he tried to go through south through <laughs> yeah, Central Park. Right. Like, which, which also I just I liked how a former taxi driver, Zeus said he was, was trying to tell John McClane, the police officer, like the right way to do. It. And I think he did know the right way to do it if he's mm. <laughs> constrained by law. Police officer, however, <laughs> who's not, um, <laughs> uh, says the, the fastest way isn't isn't uh ninth avenue right yeah it's through the park like not on the streets Mm -hmm. but through the park um and so yeah he really i mean this the scene goes on i think longer than it should and uh, clearly somebody had fun with like shooting that scene and driving through um but there's a lot of moments that many people could easily have been killed like he just is is plowing into what could be a crowd of 30 people going for a jog i thought that what was funny though was that fast forward 20 minutes and uh, when he and Zeus are on on foot, um, they are almost run down by a little kid on a bicycle who has stolen something from a, um, a bodega or something like that. Um, and John, John McClane's words to him are, hey, why don't you run over everyone? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly what he had done. Exactly what he had done. You know, I didn't and, catch and that. He's complaining well, about. Funny. He's complaining about a bicycle that almost hit him. Right. Um, that's a good call. But then also, yeah. I think I think the kid says it's Christmas. You could steal City Hall. Yeah. So Which, first of all, Christmas reference. Christmas. Boom, it's a Christmas right? movie. Mm-hmm. Done. Uh, and and that's when McLean has his moment of inspiration and realizes that mm-hmm. they're there to steal the gold. Yeah. Um, and since we're talking about some of the unsung heroes of the movie, I also want to give a shout out to the security guard in the bank vault who there's what, six or seven, you know, uh, neo-Nazi wannabe dudes coming down the hallway and he's got his shotgun and he's, you know, shooting at them. And of course the, um, femme fatale, Jeremy Irons girlfriend comes in and like slices him up. Um, but he put on a pretty heroic stand there. He's just like a... Security guard mm-hmm. yeah. in a vault. Yeah. And he's like, he's fighting fighting for his life. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. He, got, he looked a little bit like Justin McElroy. I don't know. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. That's a positive connection. <laughs> Man, dude dude did not do well, though. <laughs> no, he, he died horribly. Yeah. But to your point also about the villains having a code, she's presented as being like this, you know, assassin, cold-blooded. Like, I don't think she has any lines. She maybe, doesn't talk the, the whole movie. movie. Yep. Mm. Yeah, um, and she's just like this piercing eyes murder murder woman, and she's the one that does like the horrible murder. Her and Otto. Yeah, but all the other bad guys. That's that's really interesting yeah. point even, that they have. Even when one yeah. one the banker is tranquilized, one of the person is right behind him to catch him as he falls down. Um, oh yeah, so that's right. That's, that's true. Touch. <laughs> <laughs> and he patted his hair a little bit. <laughs> Talked to him. Kiss on the forehead. Was, yeah. I thought the kiss on the forehead was a bit much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me- meanwhile. <laughs> The one instance in which Bruce Willis is confronted with a bad guy who knows he's there and like so so he's not just like sneaking up on them or or outsmarting <laughs> them. The one time he comes upon a bad guy who's like, "Oh shit, it's John McClane." He says, "Don't shoot." Albeit in German, but he literally yeah. puts his hands in the air and begs for his life and John McClane just fucking shoots him. I um I would add, I would add to that. Yes and there's another time when John encounters a bad guy, except in this encounter, he's not even totally sure he's a bad guy. That is because he's true, walking sir. up. He's he's walking up to a dump truck, which is probably driven by a bad guy, but he mm. doesn't know that. And he just John McClane introduces himself and then shoots eight times through the door to kill him. Yep, as like Mickey O'Brien or something. Yeah, what was yep. he pretends to be yeah. someone else, he pretends, a, a, yeah. a humble truck driver. 
And then, yes, immediately shoots them because probably, I mean, right? Yeah, he's probably a bad guy. It's, and, and it's presented yeah. as like a funny, heroic moment. Hilarious. Well, and he's talking about some jolly fat man that had come through and um, after he's done murdering them, he says, I think his name was Santa Claus. Yeah. So it's definitely a Christmas movie because. Oh, again. <laughs> yeah, at some point he mentions a partridge in a pear tree, one of you. Yes. mentioned also very oh, it's christmas film classic yeah, yeah i think abby's like... enough to watch this one this christmas yeah oh, man yeah oh lucky kid oh boy i th- i don't even have any notes for the last half hour of the movie because it, it that's where it's so that, it, it totally jumps the shark and it's it, it's funny I, i'm happy to talk about it um but i do mm-hmm. just like oh my god jeremy irons for from when he First appears on screen, like looking down, bird's eye view, eagle eye, like looking looking down, omniscient. Um, he knows which police officers are chewing on their glasses, which ones aren't. Um, and he says, uh, he says, hook, line, and sinker. And then uh, <laughs> l- later, and I actually forgot the first part of this because I quote it all the time in Destiny. But um, he doesn't just say somebody had fun in talking about the the explosion but that's preceded by holy toledo holy toledo. somebody had fun <laughs> um and then when he's in the he's he's pre- pretending to be like a the cleanup crew essentially right there to handle it um and he's he's presented with the um with the mess he says as a, and he says this as a question he says good lord but he says good lord <laughs> um he just he just eats all of his lines and just makes a meal out of him and he's so fun to watch and just so few movies have a villain who's even interesting you know let alone mm-hmm. very interesting right. um uh he's non-lethal um i think yeah his response to the the woman who just slices up that guy who's making last stand is to grab her hand mid eighth slash mm-hmm. and say mm-hmm. i think he's dead my dear <laughs> um yeah yep yeah and he's empathetic too like he's got john and and zeus tied to the bomb and the boat at the end he's going to explode them with all the scrap metal and you know bruce willis has this line about like oh man i've got a headache you got any aspirin and you know Jeremy Irons throws him his last his last pill yep. in this pill bottle. And it's been established he has migraines, and exactly. yet he does it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly. And and he's been he's been doing the you know bridge of the nose rub, and like mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. he's been bothering with migraines the entire movie, which again makes me very mm-hmm. impressed by his ability to hold this all together and still say whimsical with all of his riddles and whatnot. And then Bruce Willis was also established like from the beginning. He came into this with a bad hangover and he's been he's been searching the corpses that he's been making for aspirin the entire <laughs> yes. time. It's kind of like yeah. shoes. Oh, I yeah. Did not catch that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Um huh. And also empathetic um Jeremy Irons uh his character when it's a it when he realizes that John McClane is in the aqueduct following him and when he checks in with the rear guard and he's gone um uh he says, "Hey, John, there's thirteen billion dollars gold in your truck. Mm-hmm. Just take it. Like, let's call it a day. We don't need to. We don't need to, deal we don't out need to of kill the each other, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And John says, you know, something. I think the it's. I don't need you. I want you to crawl out of the hole you're hiding in, so I can drive this truck up your ass. Mm-hmm. Is John yep. McClane's response to being mm-hmm. offered thirteen billion dollars to yes. call it a day? And yeah. and and uh, Jeremy Irons' response to that is, 
How colorful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're making a good case. I think if we're going back to the hero list again, I think we put in Jeremy Jeremy Irons at nine. He killed fewer people in the movie than Bruce Willis did. Yeah, very true. And when okay, so you know, most of the time, like the super mega mind villain guy double crosses his team, right? Like he runs off with the Mm -hmm. girl and the money, and we're done. It's like he murders the entire team or they take the fall, what have you. But his speech at the end, after they've pulled off this $134 billion heist, is we started as soldiers without a country. Now we get to decide which country we want to buy. It's like, you know, drink up men. Like it's Mm -hmm. such it it also is like, oh, these guys have been displaced. Like they they had Mm -hmm. nothing left Mm -hmm. to fight for, but they're willing to fight for him. And and he's he's brought them all together to give them hope and purpose. And they're just gonna live there. Yeah. yeah. Wait, no, you're the bad guy. I kind of <laughs> wanted to have a beer with that yeah. guy at that point. Right? <laughs> like it's. I mean, not with not with McLean. He'd kill you. He'd just <laughs> no. assume. He'd, he'd see your badge number. He would drink your beer for you and then be hung over. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think we've established that I'm right, Michael. I'll take your apology and uh, we'll call it a day. Well, no, because we have to talk about the ending. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we have to talk about the ending. So the aforementioned aspirin is the. Dia's ex machina that uh-huh. leads Bruce Willis to the final place. So, so I want to say he, that um, in the chat, ahead, yeah. you said, Hubris, thy name is Aspirin. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> did write that. Yeah. Um, and before Michael ruins the movie, I, I want to and see what I did there, like blaming it on him <laughs> that the movie is terrible. Um, the I just want every every one of our listeners right now, I just want you to think, and yeah, I did just say our listeners because, you know. Uh-huh. Yep, is, not mean, your listeners. Anyway. I've done it yep. too. Yep. Um, nope. Just imagine every bottle of Advil, aspirin, anything you've ever taken, and just look at, think about the bottom of it, right? Think about the information you always find on the bottom of your medicine. Mm-hmm. Michael, go on. Well, okay. So before they blow up, he throws them the bottle of aspirin with one pill left in it. Uh, it's it's actually a really cool escape, right? Because they're they're handcuffed to this bomb, and so Bruce Willis pulls out a piece of wire from his shoulder that had been from like the steel cable that they, that snapped on their way plummeting to this uh-huh. boat, which they should have died, but it's neither here nor there. And he that's what they use to like pick the lock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like this, this splinter. Gruesome. That's fucking cool. Sorry, that's cool. Yeah. Um. And they managed to jump off the boat just as it explodes. Total, you know, action figure style. Uh, you know, all darn, the bad guy got away. And uh, John's about to call Holly because there's this whole subplot about how he and Holly have been estranged for a year because they had an argument and then never called each mm-hmm. other back. That's why she's not in the movie. And um, he's looking at this pill bottle while the phone is ringing. And he looks on the bottom. And I forget exactly what it says, but it it's basically says the name of yeah. a hotel in Canada. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so somehow John McClane, first of all, sees the bottom of this pill, pill bottle and knows that that's an address. He knows that it must be a hotel somehow. And he knows that, okay, we, we need to go there right now because that's obviously where they are. Right, not yeah, a hotel that they did stay at at one point, but the hotel that yeah. they're going to stay at immediately after. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, As a mastermind so villain, the- you always return <laughs> to the last place you uh, stayed a night. Yeah. yeah, return to the scene of the crime right. is just a is just or the scene of the hotel from which you mm-hmm. playing the crime is just it's yeah, it's it villainy one hundred and one, Meg. Come on, it is. Um, so you know, obviously, um, Simon didn't anticipate them surviving that explosion, but 
uh, they, they arrive with the cavalry. And this is the other hilarious thing. So they've got um, Jeremy Irons dead to right. They're actually uh, interrupting him mid-coitus uh, with, with Stabby Lady. And um, they're making fun of him, and they're shining the lights on them. And then next thing you know, like the army's pouring out with all these semi-automatic weapons, and now they've got a firefight. It's like, okay, they didn't even see that coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you could, But they had like the roads blockaded with some of the cops and stuff. But um, then there's this like cobbled together fight where Jeremy Irons gets into a, a helicopter, and so it's helicopter versus helicopter, and he's got like a, um, oh, what do they call those uh, machine guns or not like a machine, a mini gun? That's what they call it. Um, and he's just you know he blows up uh, Bruce Willis's helicopter. They have to do a crash landing, and there's this moment where like every, like fate really conspires because Bruce Willis is like, just show me your smiling face. And it zooms in on Jeremy Irons. And, of course, he's smiling and he's got the gun pointed at Bruce Willis. And all Bruce Willis does is his turn is his pistol. He's got two bullets left. He shoots and misses the first one. He shoots the second one and it hits a cable <laughs> on the connecting a sign. And the electricity comes and shocks Jeremy Irons. And blows up the helicopter, the helicopter in a beautiful, yeah. beautiful moment of a <laughs> helicopter really getting, you know, what's coming to the helicopter. Yeah. And at at the risk of having an elaborate thesis about this, I would just like to say that ending is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just dumb. It's fair. That's that's fair. Everything else up to that point was so earned. Um, they had this like really amazing conversation in the van at the beginning of the movie that set up everything. They talked about the the dump trucks that had been stolen. They talked about the cops' uh, badges uh, being their lotto numbers, which like all these things came to play later. It was really well written. All these threads came and got tied at the end and then this this ending got smacked on that <laughs> kind of just like they, they could have done better than that but the movie is really long it's like two hours and they're just like we need to we need to end this thing you know like boom boom do, do you know that there used to be there was another ending to this movie i did not know please enlighten so, me um it, it was that john McClane saw the um thing on the aspirin um but then he had to tr- track them because they were no longer there by the time he got to the you know hotel he tracked them to i don't know somewhere in europe and he found jeremy irons and then he set up a game with jeremy irons where um jeremy irons then had to answer some riddles oh my god and then (laughs) when he didn't answer them right um he like rocketed jeremy irons right in the chest and killed him i wish we lived in that universe. We are robbed. Yeah. We are robbed of a masterpiece. It's, it's I mean, they, they said, and I and I agree with this. A, um, it took a lot longer. B, you know, all the Die Hard movies um, are like, essentially like 24, 12 or 24 hours of like, this is what happens. There's no like, yeah. And also it was like, it was pretty cruel. Like it was like a, he had him tied to a chair and then was like, essentially like, <laughs> villain torturing him with yeah. like yeah 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 it Amber? seems kind of yeah, appropriate problematic but it but I doesn't mean, it yeah. seem appropriate it does it is, yeah no it, it is does, with it, a vengeance it does know? seem in character for him the yeah. way we've been talking yeah yeah and and i and i want to make sure that um uh oh i'm gonna i'm gonna throw in a, i'm gonna throw in a reference to uh my mom and to erica here because um one of the things I loved most about what mom said, and, and this relates directly, directly to this movie. Um, at, at my wedding, my mom said that, um, that Erica would keep my heart safe. 
And that's something that like some of my, um, my teaching colleagues took away as like their favorite moment of the weekend. Um, and that's actually what John McClane does to Zeus because check it out. Um, when they splat on the, um, on the ship, they're taking like a wire from a car on a bridge down to a ship and, and, it falls Obviously. and, and, and they, they die. So their, their corpses reanimate <laughs> and um, continue the rest of the movie dead. Um, uh, but to protect his dead soul um, and, and keep it pure, because Samuel Jackson is a hero. He is trying to do the right thing. John McClane gives Zeus a gun, um, but says, don't, like, don't be a hero. Don't shoot. You find him. You come get me. I'm the guy who kills people, essentially, right? Um, and I always have an issue with that because he gives it to him and, and Samuel Jackson says something like, you know, not, not all brothers know how to shoot guns. Um, and so there's that again. And, um, John takes a moment to make, you just do this, do that, and then point and shoot. But moments later, we discovered that the safety on the gun is on. John McLean, knowing everything about guns, there is to know, knew that. And left the safety on so that Samuel Jackson wouldn't actually be able to kill anyone so that his soul would stay safe and pure. That's reading way too much into it. <laughs> no, um, that's really interesting and cool attention to detail. One could argue he handicapped him and would got him yeah. killed. Yes. Like uh-huh. if he really needed to defend himself. Sure. Like, so so counterpoint, the he kept his soul pure. Mm-hmm. Um, also leading to the moment where Samuel Jackson finally corners the bad guys and is ready to shoot them. And uh, as always, Jeremy Irons is and playing could have saved the day. Yeah. Jeremy Irons <laughs> is playing it. Yeah. He actually was great, but again, soul pure. Thanks John McClane, which I, I'm now I'm super uncomfortable with even this idea that like <laughs> the white cop is keeping this guy's soul. Okay. Anyway, not okay with that, but, um, but I am totally okay with Jeremy Irons, just cool as a cucumber um, in the face of this submachine gun being pointed at his face. Um, and Samuel Jackson's like, I don't want to shoot, but I have to, but I will, I will if I have to, which is actually a call back to, um, him at the train station with the phone. He's saying, you know, if you have to shoot me, shoot me, but I'm going to pick up the phone. Um, and, uh, he, yeah, so anyway, he, he, he shoots, but the safety's on and Jeremy Irons takes a bite of a hard boiled egg and through chewing it says, rock tape ship caps off <laughs> and then takes it and shoots him right in the knee. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but anyway my point being john is the real hero because he keeps samuel jackson's heart mm-hmm. safe mm-hmm. i don't agree with that point i just okay, want to make good. clear i don't i don't agree with the point i just made you made the point just so you could disagree yep. with it cool <laughs> also i do want to question how innocent samuel jackson can still be because when he and bruce willis splatted on the deck with that cable the cable they were holding on to cut a man in half he was cleft thoroughly in twain <laughs> in twain you <laughs> saw the the top and the bottom halves separate and just in case he wasn't aware that he had helped separate a man from himself the, there's then a scene <laughs> where he and bruce willis each take a side like when yeah. you get the legs and bruce willis grabs the arms and then they pull him off the deck side by side because of course they are different halves and they can do that yeah. because again cleft and twain and of course you mentioned what's the point there's hmm. viscera and blood everywhere no one's hiding anything it was just it's just done for exactly. a gag it was just a gag but i gotta like yeah. once you've done that how much yeah. innocence do you have left <laughs> and and amber do you remember <laughs> the very end of the movie the uh helicopter with jeremy irons and uh sam phillips who plays katya gets um uh blown up 
Do you remember what uh, Sam Jackson says? No. <laughs> Michael? Well, the, the helicopter is crashed and it's burning, and they're just kind of sitting there looking at it. And uh, Samuel Jackson says, let him cook. Yeah. <laughs> let him cook. Let him cook. <laughs> let him cook. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he's, he's actually, I would, to Dan's earlier point about how his soul has been saved, I would say the opposite is true. By him knowing <laughs> John McClane, his soul has been his tarnished soul's been, His soul has been cooked. forever. It's yeah. true. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 Um, he's now seen things that he can't unsee. He's done things he can't undo. Yeah. Um, he might be the worst for wear. After yeah. this movie. Now, I would also like to hear Meg's summary of this movie, sort of in conclusion to wrap up. But you know, you you could summarize it, or maybe if I may, um, I'll, I'll 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 plant a seed of what you might say to summarize the movie, um, because I've realized through bad movies rock exactly how my sister feels about helicopters. This like super super joy of seeing them explode is not something I was aware of. So I think Megan's summary of this movie, if I may. Um, was stuff happens, and then at the end, a helicopter almost crashes, mm-hmm. and the movie's terrible because it doesn't. Right. But then there's another helicopter, yeah. and it does. And it does. <laughs> so through purely through that lens, mm-hmm. I feel like best movie ever for you. Yeah, pretty. I mean, yeah, they tease it, you with it, and then boom. It's, it's not there. as good as. Um, oh, <laughs> got me on a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was. Oh shoot, was it Night and Day uh, that had like three helicopters? Get it. Mm. I'll have to look back okay. at my notes. Yeah. So but you, you yeah, give this, you there, give there us are a better movies on, on the helicopter like yeah. um, tally list for sure. Um, so, okay, to, to sum up, um, I want to ask if Dan or Michael are moved in their position. And then I want to ask Amber about her position on um, the goodness or badness of this movie. Uh, I'll go first. I was anticipating. So when I first saw this movie, first of all, kind of an odd aside. This is the first Die Hard movie I ever saw. So, like, all the references to the other movies didn't make any sense mm-hmm. to me. And I, I watched it a lot um, on Comedy Central back when they would run a bunch of B-movies. So I assumed this was a B-movie like all the other ones I saw. Um, so in that kind of context, I always had this idea that it was, like, just this fun, silly action movie. And it is to a big degree. However, re-watching it, I've, I appreciated a lot of how the narrative structure was really tied together. There was that van scene in the beginning that kind of set up all these little clues that are off on the side that came back in significant ways later. There was nuance to a lot of the characters in ways like Dan pointed out with the, the evil, the, the bad guys like code of honor and things like that. Very interesting moments of real tension, like with the school and the kids running out. Those are horrific. Um, and so, you know, I, I thought that it was actually pretty well put together narratively. The ending excluded the ending kind of ruins it for me. Um, so I, I'm not saying that I was wrong, because I'm not, rarely ever am, except my business ventures about um, podcasts, but um, I would posit that it, it was better than I thought it was. I mean, I remember liking it a lot, and I still do, so I sort of win. <laughs> Dan? In acknowledging that Michael has sort of realized that the movie has a lot more going for it than he might have seen before. Um, then yeah, I can say that my opinion has changed from thinking that Michael was completely wrong to mostly wrong. Um, and beyond that, uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, I think actually part of the the debate stemmed from like, is this a good movie or a bad movie? And that's actually a whole bigger semantics debate of like, what is good, what is bad. I do feel I, my personal opinion is that if you get joy from watching a movie, then 
then then the movie can be good or it can be it can be good with caveats and i think there's plenty of caveats here for sure but um i um i i don't i don't subscribe to the mentality that like a movie needs to have perfect dialogue and perfect um cinematography and needs to sort of question make you question the way you think about life in order for it to be great i think like if a movie is aiming to entertain you and does a pretty good job of that then i think it'd be a great movie and then it's a really question like well what was the intentions because if a movie is so bad that it's good then is it is it good or is it bad um but i think all of it relates to this whole podcast right bad movies rock you guys are celebrating the joy that you guys get from watching movies that other people might think are bad uh finding joy where other people might not find it and i think that's great and i think i think this movie i really think this is a good movie because i really enjoy watching it um and so that's that's how i feel and i'm glad that we were able to talk about that Yumper, what? <laughs> uh, what is your feeling? Is that what we do now? We talk about our feelings on BMR. It's what Abby says. I'm best at feelings and bridges. Mostly, we just want a final judgment. You're like here to break the tie. Yeah. The Samuel Jackson movie with Jeremy Irons is an amazing villain that I'm siding with over Bruce Willis. Yeah, it's a great fucking movie. And <laughs> am I mad at the ending? No, I think it's fucking perfect because ultimately everything that just happened is ridiculous. So let's not tie this up with a neat bow. Let's be like on the screen. Yeah, that's what you just watched, son. Watch a helicopter blow up. That's what Let them cook. Does it taste good? Is this what you wanted? Are you happy now? I like that. You know, it's a little bitter with the chocolate, you know? Mm -hmm. It's got that cacao flavor. Yeah. So, Amber, you would say on the rock scale, this is Ugh. regrettable, outstanding, craze balls are K. So, craze balls outstanding. Yeah, it. I. I absolutely agree. This is. I would actually call it outstanding craze balls. There's. Oh. I, I oh. Think, oh. It's going to be like that. Huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why you agree Final and podcast. still take a point to differ on? Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I I absolutely agree. And like, you can't get me with the ending, Michael, because there's a helicopter that gets blown up. So sorry, you yeah, lose. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's cool, Michael. That's cool. I would also rate this crazy balls. balls yeah. yeah, it's 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 so crazy balls and uh, over the top and well done. I mean, they did it. They did it. They put it together in a way that made sense and a very complicated plot, pretty easy yeah. to follow. So I think that's kudos to them. I'm going to agree with your order because I think the first three quarters of the movie is outstanding um, and then it becomes crazy balls. So it's outstanding and crazy balls. Michael, you don't get to go first because you didn't love this movie. Dan, do you have an Abby story? <laughs> I do. Yes, I do. And I'm so happy that you phrased it that way. Um, Abby and I, um, uh, as you can clearly see on this uh, audio podcast, um, I'm sitting next to a Lego town that Abby and I have built. Um, and you know, like it's got all the foundational moments of a town or locations of a town. You've got an Avengers base, you've got a bank, you've got a bakery and you've got a timeout center. Um, and Abby and I were building the timeout center because sometimes Abby leaves the Legos out and they need to go to timeout because they made a bad decision staying out when Parker or Maddie could eat them. Um, and so Abby and I were building this, this timeout center together. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll allow that some of the ideas were for me, but I love how, Abby's view of it was okay. So some people, sometimes people need to make bad, make bad choices, but that doesn't make them bad people. And even if they are in a timeout center, not a jail, not a prison, um, she included a, a little mailbox 
for people who want to stop by and send them reassuring, reassuring messages. And she actually found a little Lego heart and put it in the mailbox. Um, she made sure that it had like, it was open at the top. So like light can come in and sunlight can come in and there's birds can fly in. These are all things she was saying. And then she um, built a little vase for flowers um, to, to allow, you know, Elsa who and Spider-Gwen and Spider-Man um, who had made bad choices and had stayed out when they, they shouldn't. Um, they, that, that doesn't mean that they don't deserve, um, you know, caring gestures of support. Um, and I just thought that was, that was really, really sweet that she is so thoughtful about, uh, and even of herself when she makes bad choices or me, um, that they still deserve to be like, I don't know, helped and supported and loved. And I was very proud of her for the way that she thought about that. And she learned that from her dad, who's so good at feelings. Mm -hmm. Bridges and feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And next you're going to teach her about defunding the police, right, Dan? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Defund the timeout space. What is it called? Yeah, timeout center. Mm -hmm. Timeout center. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that that was your Abby story, because my Sneha story comes from the other side of the spectrum. Um, I'm I'm assuming that I'm going to be asked to do a Sneha story, yes? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'll go now. I'll show myself. No, that's cool. It's cool. You don't need an invitation. (laughs) Just just make yourself at home here on our podcast. Yeah. White man. (laughs) (laughs) I will... <laughs> Michael, you're I'm getting destroyed. Michael, you, you are totally being set up Michael. as the as a villain. Michael, wait for the, it. Wait for the invite. What I love is that what we essentially did was dress Michael up as an ogre, stick him in a cave, and then go and hunt him down like the dog he is. It's like wait, like the dog that we've declared him to be. Exactly, yeah. we made him look that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they dressed me up like this. <laughs> they stapled this knife to my hand I'm sorry Michael please I invite you do a Sneha story okay I twisted my arm uh, so in the before times when Sneha was going to uh, daycare uh, she came home and uh, she's talking about how some of the kids are saying potty words at school and so we said you know what potty words and she's like they're saying booty they're saying butt and they're saying, but again. And we thought that was really cute. She kept saying, but again. <laughs> and then I was like, maybe I laughed and I shouldn't have laughed because Snee has been on a kick for the last three months of just like randomly blurting out potty words and giggling. Um, and so to combat this, I was like, I'm so tired of hearing like booty and, and poop and all this stuff. Let's just teach her some words that sound like they could be potty words, but ha- she has no frame of reference for. And so we introduced like like scuba like words so like we'll say scuba or snorkel or you know oxygen tank or flippers and she'll think that that's a potty word and so she'll be like hey daddy but like sneha is that a potty word she's like snorkel (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh you got me kid i can't believe you said snorkel that's awesome recommendations michael do you have a recommendation I will recommend playing uh, Magic the Gathering Arena online. Uh, it's If you play Magic the Gathering at all, it's extremely fun and intuitive. Uh, downloadable on Mac now, which is great. Uh, so Dan and I can play. We haven't played enough yet, but we will. And uh, you can have an electronic library, and you don't have to pay to play unless you want to. And it's great. Awesome. Love it. And what's the name again? Magic the Gathering Arena. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Yeah, Magic's great. Dan, recommendation. Yeah. I, <clears throat> double down on what Michael just said. Um, I think it's great. And so many products like that, um, 
are, are, are banking on people paying to play. And sure, the more you invest in, the more mythic rare cards you can get. But you can actually get a lot of the cards you need just by playing, not, not paying any money at all. And I think that's great. Um, I, I want to recommend um, not just uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, available on Disney+, Plus, the animated show, um, but I want to recommend finding an awesome... Uh, wait, this sounds all. This sounds awful. Find an awesome three-year-old, oh, wait, wait kidnap them, and watch it with them. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, but I recommend being in a position where that's okay um, to be watching it with a young person who, like, every episode starts with a quote um, that is often, you know, uh, worthy of some sort of discussion, and then a recap so you all know what's going on. And then, yeah, it's it's really neat to watch what they've done with these characters. And honestly, I wish that I had experienced the Star Wars universe by watching these seven, I think, seven seasons um, leading up and giving all the backstory and all, all these things that the movies never could touch. Um, it helps me appreciate them in a way I haven't before. But I'm really enjoying pausing the series and talking with Abby about why people are doing this or that. Um, and, uh, and I think it's actually really well done. So Star Wars, Clone Wars, available on Disney+. Plus right alongside Return to Oz, which you should also watch with the nearest three-year-old you can find. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. You said I was a monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did. You did. No backsies. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining us. This has been wonderful. We we planned this a long time ago. You you two earmarked this movie basically at the inception of BMR, so... It's beautiful that we got here. Oh, it took yeah. a year. It's fine. Yeah. It's just and really I, beautiful. And now we can end on that beautiful, beautiful note and we don't have to say or do anything else. I mean, we'll just say the thing we always say to end this up, which is... Yeah, of course. You have to be a beast. It's the only way they'll respect you. What did I say about rock quotes? What the fuck did I say about fucking rock quotes, Megan? <laughs> that you like rock quotes. They're rock quotes all the time, Amber. No matter what, it's a rock quote. Now who's the monster? Look in the mirror, Megan! It's probably me. (laughs) It's still me. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye.